the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. And today I want to talk to you about cakes. I want to talk to you about cakes. We've got some amazing uh, cakes today. We always have great cakes. Trina absolutely crushes it. But today we've got like uh, raisin, we've got um, hot cross buns, we've got like a lemony flavored one as well. Um, and there's a reason for that because today actually the whole message is going to be about cakes. So if you didn't know cakes was like a really important theme in, oh yeah, Leon was like, he was like, I am that. Through telekinesis, he told someone, bring me the cake. <laughs> Amazing powers, Leon. I did not know you could do that. So one of the key themes in Hosea is actually about cakes. It's actually about cakes. So in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of whoredom, that you have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom, forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Goma, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bought him a son. So in that first passage, one of the things it's telling you is that the type of woman he's going to marry, but it's also telling you about the kids he's going to have and the situation that they're going to be raised in. But it also tells you uh, the name of his wife, Goma, and it also tells you um, her, 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 the, the daughter, she was the daughter of Diblaim, which is like, Goma's not really like from around these parts. She's not like, she's not an Israelite. She's, she's a Canaanite or a Moabite. And the mum's name literally means two cakes. So mum's name means two cakes. So I don't know, it's kind of like, they kind of call me two cakes. It's like two chains, but two cakes. And, and that's what the mum's name is. And, and it asks some questions of the mum because different people, different commentators, different rabbis, different people have said all sorts of different things. They've talked about it being a dad, they've talked about it being a mum. And some people who've talked about being a mum have said that actually, you know, Goma got it from her mama. Like, her mama is two cakes because that was the price for two cakes. If you see what I'm suggesting, that was what you paid. So is Goma's mum her pimp? Like, is she the one who kind of brought her up in this? And also, what kind of hoe is Hosea's wife Goma? That's the question. Because as we know, the psalmist says, just because she dances loco, it don't make her oh no. So the question is, is she, is she, is she a prostitute for, for money, or is she in their culture a prostitute in the temple for God? Small G, small G, capital G doesn't have prostitutes in his temple. It's not, it's not how he rolled. And so we have this this question of her: Is it for money? Is it for God? And, and ultimately speaking, with the story of Hosea, the proof is in the pudding. The whole way through the book, the proof is in the pudding. He says he's going to marry this woman who, who, who's a, a whoredom, a prostitute, and he's marrying someone who's specifically not an Israelite, someone who's a Moabite, a Canaanite, and all of these things are totally, totally intentional. That's why it's key that we know the mum's name, where she's from, the background, because straight away the audience who would read this would go, oh, she's not from around here, she's from these parts, she's this type of person. And as soon as they would hear like the name Two Cakes, it would kind of like trigger a picture for them. And then it goes on to say, so before when I've talked about Hosea, each week I've looked at things from a different angle, the same kind of story in a different way, and I'm looking at it a different way today. So in the previous weeks, I've talked about his first child being called Jezreel, which is like love, God sows, it's like God's love, God's faith 
flavor um, upon uh, upon the people. And, and so his name is that. And so I talked about it being like the first one being his, and the second one being No Mercy, which is the second one's name, which is kind of like a tough point in their marriage. And then the third one is called Not Mine. But actually, if we take literally what we just read in the first passage, it says, take a wife of whoredom and you're gonna have children of whoredom. Actually, none of the kids are his. None of the kids are Hosea's. So then if none of the kids are his, and we look at those three names, then how do those three names connect with Hosea? But then secondly, how they connect with Israel, then thirdly, how they connect with us. So firstly, how they connect with Hosea, well, I imagine it being a bit like this. He signs up to do this mission. He signs up stepping out in faith, trusting God for what God has said to him to do, even though he knows this could be like, this could get him killed. This could get him daily duppied. He steps out in faith. He starts going for this. He marries a wife of whoredom. He marries someone who he knows is from this background, who's kind of like a Canaanite Moabite prostitute in the temple. So she's part of their, their worship. He's trying to like pull her out into to being like a part of God's kingdom and all this kind of stuff. And then he has these kids. And the first one he calls Jezreel because it's like he's trying to tell himself, like, God sows, God sows. He's in a difficult situation, a painful situation, a heartbreaking situation. He's raising a kid that isn't his. He knows she's been unfaithful. He hasn't been unfaithful. And he's messed up inside. And so every day he's given a name for a child that he's just trying to push through his head to push through the situation. I know God sows, God sows, God sowed this child into my life. God sowed this child in my life. This child isn't here because of the pain. This child isn't here because of the, the sin. This child isn't here because of the, the mess and all that's happened. God sowed, God sowed. This child is a gift. This child is a blessing from God. And he's trying to get that through his head. And he's saying that again and again and again. And that's how Hosea is making it through the day. And then the second child comes and the second child isn't his. And now Hosea is really struggling to hold his stuff together. And he is going, no mercy. There's no mercy. I'm pushing through. I'm trying to love. I'm trying to keep this family together. I'm trying to hold all this down. I'm trying to live this life this way. And I'm struggling. And I'm at the point where I'm about to tap out. And then he has the third child and the third child is called not mine. He's basically saying D-O-N-E, I am done, caps lock, I'm finished. I don't even care, D-U-N, I'm that finished. I'm gonna spell it wrong. I am done. I am out of here, I'm finished. This is a hot, hot mess. And that's why when we talked to a couple of weeks ago, we talked about one of the things he says when we need to talk about mum and he sits his kids down is he goes, I just need you guys to know something. We've got to talk about some situations, some stuff you need to be aware of and that. But one of the first things he says is he says, I need you to understand that you, you are mine and that you have received mercy, that you are mercy and this isn't how I see you, this isn't how I feel about it, but this has been a hot mess that he works through. And then what happens is, last week we talked about a passage that you see like in chapter two and there's some incredible wordplay. So the prophets, I've said this all the time, we did a series back called um, F64, um, looking at like freestyle bars of the prophets, like because everything they do is, is Hebrew dualism. The way their rhyming scheme is, isn't like ours today. So so often growing up reading the Bible, I would read the Old Testament prophets and I would hate it. And the reason I hated it was because when you would read what they were saying, they would say it once in this way, then the second line they'd say the exact same thing again in a completely different way. And I'd be like, this is so long. I'm reading everything twice. Can we get to the flipping point? I didn't appreciate that actually these guys were like, they were dropping mixtapes. They were spitting bars. They were saying things. People would get excited about the wordplay. And one of the things that Hosea does is he does something so, 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 so clever. He does something so clever. He starts talking about um, husband, which is like his role, who he is. And then he starts talking about Baal, B-A-A-L. 
Now, the reason this is crazy, crazy clever, so the Hebrew word he uses for husband, he doesn't actually use the word husband, he uses a different word in a different connection and different root and way in because he wants to make a, a, a differentiate, differentiate between these two words and the word play for when someone reading it in their original language would be like, jeez, man's got bars. Because what he says is he says, my man, and then the second thing is like the wife says, my bow. Now, bow with an apostrophe between the two A's is the Hebrew word for husband. So the wordplay he does here is he goes like, so we've had this intimate moment together, it's like they're in bed together, and she's missaid the name. She's missaid the word. The picture it brings is like that you're saying this, but actually you're meaning this. And how do these things kind of like reflect for me and you? I was thinking about like the kids and that, and I was thinking that so often in life, the situations we find ourselves in, we find ourselves having to like tell ourselves again and again, God sows, God sows, God sows, God sows. We're going through a madness, we're going through a hard time, and it's like God sows, God sows. And then it comes to a point where you just can't push through the situation anymore, and you get to a point where it's like, there's just no mercy. This just seems like it's never coming to an end. And then it comes to the point, the breaking point, where you and I always break, where we always snap, and we go, I'm done, I'm out, not mine, not mine, not mine. And I find that actually one of the key reasons why this happens comes down to this next passage and this next, next idea. Because my bow and my bow, when we talk about my husband and bow as in the foreign god that's worshipped, is so clever because the whole point of this story is that she is going off and she isn't just going off being like um, her background being like a temple prostitute. She's kind of like been worshipping Baal this whole time, doing this whole thing. He's come along and this is still continuing and it's running through the family. And one of the things that he says all throughout here is when he mentions my husband, my bow, and he flips it like that, he's not only speaking into his life, he's speaking to the whole of Israel and saying, you see, this is what it's been between me and you. Because you were slaves in Egypt, you were on your ones, I took you out, I set you free, and then when we got to Mount Sinai, I gave you the vows, I gave you the DNA, I gave you the law, I gave you my instruction, my identity. And at the end of it, you could have said like, nah, you're all right, and the McDonald's advert, and you could have gone your way. You could have done it, you didn't. You said, you are our God, and I said, you are my people. And we entered into this marriage covenant. He goes, but you guys, man, Hosea 3. You guys, he goes, man, you just, Hosea 2, sorry, you, man, you've, been, you've been playing the ho- a whoredom the whole time. You've been having this attitude the whole time. You've been just all over Baal the whole time. And he actually goes on to say one of these great, great lines where he goes, you know what? He goes, he goes this, and the Lord said to me, go again, chapter 3, and love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. I'm not kidding you. That's literally what he says in there. Like some, some of the rabbis find that funny. Some of them find that really serious. Some people say it's actually about the, the grapes crushing, that the idea behind it is you, you, they're kind of like ferment and you kind of like end up getting wine. So it's more to do about drunkenness. But actually there was a lot of um, worship among the Canaanite and the Moabites with like raisin cakes. It's kind of like, I guess, the gateway drug before you get into worshiping the, the, with the temple prostitute. And, and this thing that he says here, it's kind of like humorous, but at the same time, it's not. It's like, this is a problem. And, and he's, he's switched them around. So you've got like the, the, the whole thing of turning to the other gods and then love the cakes of raisins, which seems like a minor thing and a thing to like not go in about. But you know, one of the things I've found is I've found it always starts with a cake of raisins. It always starts with the most innocuous, simple thing that really you, you, you look at it and you're asking the question, 
is this actually wrong? This can't actually be wrong for me. This can't actually be harmful for me. This can't actually be damaging for me. And so often in the Bible, there are these moments where God is warning people about things and you can look at some of these things and go, this is ridiculous. Like for example, um, prawns are an abomination in the Old Testament. They're called an abomination. Now for you and I who love prawn cocktails, um, you freak out about that stuff. But you have to understand something about the context. If you're living in the Middle East in Israel at this time and refrigeration has not been invented and you start eating prawns that have gone off, you're dead. <laughs> this, is, this is a God who unleashes mercy and love upon his people. So when he's talking about this particular type of food over here, you read it today and you're reading, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you, God? Why are prawns an abomination? But actually you look at in their setting and their context, that is a very merciful, loving God. Like, but but they look so good in a cocktail, God. Like, look at the little sauce on the side and the, the slice of cucumber. Man, I'm telling you, it's not the same thing. It seems innocuous, but it's so dangerous to them. And you see, it starts off with these raisin cakes. It starts off with like the, the, the temple prostitutes being outside. It starts off with before you go in and it starts off with the raisin cakes they love. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm just here for the raisin cakes. Yeah, sure you are, sunshine. Yeah, that's what you're. That's what you're here for. Like, oh no, no, no! I just come for the cakes. Literally, I just, I don't, I just, I just, I just move on, you know. And, and there's this understanding, this belief in the raisin cakes and the raisins, and it's about like fertility, and it's about um, not just human fertility, but they would participate in it for worship, believing that the land would be fertile, and they were looking to bow to cultivate their land. They weren't putting their trust in God and His provision for their lives. And so in this passage we have, go again and love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. The whole point of Hosea is not just the idea of being like adultery, but like a spiritual adultery, that we cheat on him with other gods and he's a jealous God. So it says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the, the, the harlot, the whore, or belong to another man. So I will also be to you. For the children of Israel should thou should dwell many days without a king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. I started to think about the key word in that whole entire passage was again. Again, because, you know, that's the pattern of Hosea. The pattern of Hosea is... You look how it starts off and it starts off with his own story and you have the first kid and he's going, God sows, God sows, but actually the sin is here. And then it's here and it's not just here one time, it's here again. And then the next time it's no mercy because he's struggling to see his way through this and he can't get through it. And then the sin that's there again comes again and then it breaks the family unit to the point that she's gone, he's got the kids and he's struggling for his sanity and he's struggling to hold the family unit together. And I started to think about me and I started to think about you and I started to think about us and I started to think about all people everywhere when it comes to God because the key thing is always again. It is again and again and again. I don't know about you guys, but I found in my life like sin hasn't been like a one-time thing, like a one-time pony where I've done, oh, there's this one time where I terribly went and had some raisin cakes. Like, you know what I mean? It's been again and again and again in all different kinds of area, all different shapes, all different sizes. It's been again and again and again and again. And it's led me to a place of feeling and being like, not mine. It's led me to a place of being distant. It's led me to a place that's been destructive. And the thing that I found is like, this isn't Hosea's first rodeo. This isn't God's first rodeo with Israel. And you know what? You aren't God's first rodeo either. He's been through this again and again and again. 
today again, next Sunday again, tomorrow again, the rest of our conscious state alive on this earth, there's gonna be again's and again and again and again. It makes Groundhog Day look like a short film. If we're gonna be honest about the showreel of our sin in our lives, it's like Groundhog Day is like not repetitive. It's like, oh, this is a new twist. Didn't see this coming. Starting the day again, are we? When you compare our sinful life and existence, jeez, Groundhog Day is like, man, this is a different day. This is amazing. You and I, not so much. The next thing I wanna pick up on is another word. It says without. It says about without king or without prince, without the, the, the sacrifices that they're used to and the things that they're used to, without the, the means of worship that they've used with other gods. And also it means without um, household I- idols. It's a crazy thing. It's like without, 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 without. Because in their eyes, they needed these idols. They needed something to look at to see that they felt would help them better worship God. And he's like, without. They felt that they needed kings, a king who would lead them on course in their relationship with God. The kings of Hosea's day were waste men, one after another, one waste man after another. He would die, get assassinated, you get another waste man who'd get killed and assassinated or poisoned or whatever. And those that lived longer, they were all useless and they were all hopeless and they did nothing for their spirituality. You know, I had so many Christians down the years that said to me like, man, we just need like, like, like the government to really get a hold of like Christian values. I'm like, oh, you're a mug. You're a mug, just take, it's without, it's without. I don't need any change in government. I just need to step up and own my stuff and take it from there. You know what I mean? I need to own my stuff. I need to own my junk. It's from without. We don't need all these other things we think we need. Man, so often we feel like we need the latest like Elevation Worship CD on. Like if you're gonna ever experience breakthrough in your life. Like if I haven't got Hillsong United praying, there's no way to start this day I'm gonna make it through. I'm gonna like Dan- Daniel Benningfield, I gotta get through this. And if I don't have that, it's without that. I'm not against that. I love Do It Again by Elevation Worship. I'll listen to it. If anything, Johnny Cash, Ain't No Grave, that is my jam. Again and again and again on repeat. Ain't No Grave gonna hold this body down. I love it. I need it. But when it comes to God, it's without. It's without. It's not with, it's without. You have to strip all those things away. If you're ever gonna break the cycle that we're talking about in Hosea, it's not with all the added extras. It's not with any of those things. It's without. It's just you and it's God. That's why John the Baptist, away from everything, in the wilderness, stripping it back. The quickest way to take your pulse spiritually, sit in a room with no worship music on, no book, no Bible, and just try and talk to God and then try and listen. You'll get your pulse real quick. You'll realize you flatlined a long time ago. Like when you're sitting there and you're getting agitated, when you sit there and all the anxiety and the fears in your life come in straight away in five seconds, and the things that you've been carrying around in your head, you know straight away, oh wow, I just took my pulse and this is not healthy. It's without, it's when you strip all of that back and you can meet God where you are. The other thing I love is Hosea, he says, so will I. So he says to her, you put all these things away, you put aside your lovers and all of that. He says, so will I. She is his lover. And he's saying, I'm going to come to this place with you and we're going to meet, but there's going to be none of that distraction. There's going to be no, no sexual intimacy in this. We're just stripping that all away and we're just rebuilding this together. We're just connecting like this together. And, and we see Hosea say that, but what I love about it is you don't see God say it because God doesn't need to say it. And the reason that God doesn't need to say it is because this, he is always, 100% of the time, always there just waiting, so will I. Waiting to meet you exactly where you are. So will I. It's again, today I'm coming again, God. So will I, he's straight there. He's not building up to it. He's not going, wait, 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 wait. The, the, the keyboard bit to this worship song is coming. Wait to the crescendo. Oh, wait, 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 somebody get a smoke machine in here because how's the spirit of God gonna move if we don't have a smoke machine to, to build the ambience? Someone 
dim the lightings. And then goes, okay, now we can meet. You know what I mean? He's not doing any of that jazz. He's just there waiting going, so will I, so will I. You're in a mess and you're broken and you're in pain and you're hurting and you're lost, so will I. I'll be there straight there with you. I love this about God. So will I, so will I. And then he says this, he says, come in fear. There's a respect. He goes, God is saying, put some respect on my name when you come to me. Don't come to me like I'm some next door rug that you're just gonna drag your dirty shoes all over. You put some respect on my name. He says, you come to me and you come to me in fear. It's not a fear that I come to God like properly afraid, but I come in this moment of absolute awe, like, wow, I get to do this. I've played the harlot my whole life and I get to walk into this moment where I can connect with you and I know fully you are so will I in the moment. I'm coming, stripping things away, putting them aside, but you're like, I've always been 100% everything aside just to connect with you, just to be with you. He says, seek first the Lord and David their king. Well, Jesus is the David, is the Davidic lineage. And that's why he's the Messiah and he was born in the town of Bethlehem. And that's why in Matthew you see his genealogy and it comes down and it goes through and past David and it comes to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, no matter what it is about, no matter what it is, it's all about Jesus. You and I spend a lot of our lives trying to convince ourselves of certain scenarios, no matter how good or bad, that God is sowing, God is sowing, God is sowing, God is sowing. We try and get beat down and find ourselves in a place where we're like, oh, there is just no mercy here. This is absolutely killing me. And then we come to a point where we realize, you know what, I'm not even yours. I'm just so burnt out. I'm so broken and I'm so done. But God is just saying to you, will you just for one second, strip it all away, strip it all away and just meet with me. Because when you do that, so will I. He will come meet you exactly where you are. The book of James says that as we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And my prayer is today that you and I will start to have the boldness to come to him knowing that it's a fearful thing. It's a respect thing like, wow, I can't believe I get this opportunity, God, today to just step forward, to draw near to you, knowing you will draw near with me. I I can't believe, God, that today I've played the whore my whole life and I get to come and I get to connect with you and you receive me back as yours that you love me as you loved me before. I thank you, God, that today is a day where I get to go again. Go again, he said to Hosea, because God is willing to go again with you. God is willing to go again with me. He goes again and again and again. I'm gonna pray for us today, and we're gonna wrap things up. Father, I thank you, Lord. So often we get this, this, this sense of losing all sense of focus on who we are and who you are. Sometimes, God, we can be so overwhelmed with the stuff that's gone wrong in our lives that we feel like we can't come to you. But you just say, strip it all back and just step forward. So will I, so will I. I'll meet you right there in the midst of what is going on. But just strip the focus back. Father, I pray that today would be a moment where we can make a decision where regardless of what we've done, regardless of what's happened to us, regardless of what's going on around us, we can just strip it back and we can just step forward to you and say, so will I, God. I'll step forward, I'll strip it back. I'll put my trust in you again. I love you, God. Thank you that you're a safe space. Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would meet with each one of us here today in our own situation, our own place, that we would just start to connect with you. That we don't need anything else. We just need to take time to just be with you, to strip everything back. And that's there. We can find that rebuilding in the same way that Hosea and Gomer did. Thank you, Lord, that you receive us exactly as we are. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us that way. In Jesus' name.
really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Thank you.